Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Welcome back to the bullshit filter. Yes. Ray Harris. Yes. Was, we filter out said shit. <laughs> well, we try. We at try. At least. Yeah. So uh, we're recording this on the um, something something of something day. <laughs> um, <clears throat> July 14th. 14th. Thank you. July 14th. I'm still in uh, the US, my second last day or my last full day, whatever. I fly out tomorrow night I'm in LA. Right. Um, raised back in Virginia, bloody, bloody. We both had COVID. If you've listened to yeah. either our, if you listen to the Cold War show that we just did, we gave the whole story about the COVID and why we haven't done an episode for a while. Right. If you haven't listened to that and you're not a Cold War show subscriber, then. Fuck you, really. You don't get that story, I guess. Um, I'm not repeating myself for you. Right. right. Um, we got COVID. Su- got over it. Yeah. Suffice yeah. to say, I've been traveling for the last month. Um, Ray's had COVID for a couple of weeks. I had it for a bit. So the, <clears throat> what, we, what we're doing with the episodes uh, this week is just sort of um, easygoing. Easygoing. Mm-hmm. Reminisce. Um, not not really much in the way of preparation. No. So it's standard this, show for me. <laughs> yeah, for you. Uh, I've I've brought my level of work down to Ray's level because I've been traveling. Um, feels good, doesn't it? Pretty. Uh, no, well. feels bad. That's the thing. I feel. <laughs> I feel horrible. I feel guilty. I feel terrible winging it. I don't like winging it. I like to be I, prepared. I don't know any of those. I've never heard any of those no. words. You know anyway, please, about, do you? please continue. It's like clitoris. You're like, what? I have no idea. It's a myth. What you just said. Spread by, by the clitorati. It's a myth. <laughs> uh, so with your permission, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, uh, we're just going to, we're going to talk about some stuff that's going on in the world. <laughs> hold, hold on. In between the coughs. Because we're coughing. Uh, sorry, that wasn't COVID. That was a little bit of muesli. That uh, went down the wrong way. Granola. Feels, feels the same. Right, right. Yeah. Mm. Um, first of all, my impressions on America, I guess, having been Please. here for the first, this is my first trip since uh, 20, hmm, when did we shoot the film? 2019, 2018, 2019, I think. I think you're right. Early right. 2019, it was early 2018. I don't know. It's, it's my first. Yeah. Um, it's my first time to the US in quite a few years. I've been here for a month, and um, you know I've had a great time. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, got COVID, but apart from that, travelled uh, many national parks, seen lots of beautiful things. Some I've seen before, some I haven't. Um, not talking about your butthole either. That was something different. Been there, Tell done everyone, that. Tell everyone uh, what I did the, the minute I saw you at the Grand Canyon. We were in the parking lot of a restaurant. Oh, that was in Sedona. That was before oh. we got to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, the first time I saw you in Sedona, yeah. Oh, is that is that what you wanted to hear? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, I, and all my dignity, as you can imagine, I must have all my day. I walk over to Cam, I go to shake his hand, as men are want to do. In the West, son of a bitch bends down, picks me up, slings me around good 10 times. Uh, I come down. I don't know if it's the cam effect or the gummies, but suddenly the ground isn't making sense anymore. And so he, he, like a gentle lover that he is, he holds me for a couple of seconds until I quit wobbling. And uh, that pretty much is a, uh, a microcosm of our entire relationship. He Actually, gets me, th- he swings me around. Yeah, yeah. Threw, threw, threw you over my shoulder first. Yes, pat, yes. Pat, patted you on the butt. 
and then right. spun you around. But yes, yes, that was the foreplay. I just assumed everybody knew that was coming, so I didn't mention it. But uh, no, it, it was not embarrassing or humiliating at all. Or people like, oh, look, he's taking pity on his little friend over there. It's kind of like a pet monkey. Anyway. Uh, and I did that a couple more times couple uh, more. on the trip. Um, and then, you know, for days afterwards, I was like, oh, my lower back's really sore. What have I done? And then I realized it was picking you up over yes. my shoulder and throwing you around. Yeah. I'm, I, Just to I'm prove a that heavy I can load. still do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a heavy It's load. the same, same reason yeah. I'm growing my hair long um, right. uh, at the moment. Um, it's just to prove that I can still do it. It's, it's me fighting right. the fact that I'm getting older. Is Can I still bench press, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were doing the hair thing just uh, so people don't get as confused. But, but your, your thing <laughs> makes sense, too. Let's go with that one. Yeah. So anyway, back to my uh, impressions of America. Um, so I've had a great time. Uh, spent had a lot of great times with people, national parks. Right. Um, but my impression here still is that this country is a powder keg and it's oh, yeah. ready to explode. Um, any oh, yeah. anything could set it off. Um, and uh, you know, I would not live here. I, I it's. Um, just a, a bad feeling, like bad a, a, like a character in a Star Wars film. I've got a bad feeling <laughs> about this. Well, remember the day we left Arizona, the day we left Phoenix, there was some some clashes and whatever. So yeah, no, it's, powder cake is definitely the correct term. And of course, the whole Supreme Court ruling finally came out when yes. I was here about Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Uh, there's hints from Clarice Thomas. Clarence Thomas, that they mm. may take the same approach more. to yeah. rulings on LGBTQ issues, same-sex marriage. marriage issues. Yeah. Say, so, listen, the Supreme Court uh, really was out of order when it made a ruling on these things because none of them are mentioned by the Constitution. Right. Um, so, therefore, we're going to undo all of the bad work that the previous uh, benches have done. Jesus. So, it, look, it's just getting worse here. Biden, of course, the great white hope of the uh, Democrats has turned out to be, uh, not surprisingly to anyone, a wet pancake. Um, yes. And, in fact, I saw a story just the other day saying that most Democrats don't want Biden to run again in 2024. Yes. I feel the same way, but we don't want to lose either. And so sometimes your your old white male is your safe bet, even though there's not going to be a lot of progress for the next four years. Yeah, when you're a, I mean, you know what this is like when you're when you're an extreme disappointment to your own party. Um, right. That says something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're trying to like you, and we think you suck. That's yeah. what it's like for Biden and myself. Now, uh, of course, one of the things that I've noticed, so I posted a sticker on Facebook the other day that I saw at a gas station, um, I think right. in Arizona, was this, just a sticker of Trump uh, pointing at the gas price, and then underneath it it had written, Biden did this. Right. Like, and I've heard this from a couple of people since I've been here, that the, the high gas prices are Biden's fault. And, you know, my typical response is, well, the high gas, there are high gas prices everywhere in the world at the moment, including in yeah. Australia. Are they all Biden's fault? Is he the president of the world? Yes. Now, I yes. know some Democrats like David Markham think he is the president of the world, the leader of the free world, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But to be fair, there's an element of truth in this idea that Biden is responsible for high gas prices, at least partially mm -hmm. responsible for high gas prices around the world. Now, there's a, it's very complex. There's a lot of factors, uh, COVID, supply side issues, China, la-di-da-di-da. -da. And, of course, but the big one is the war. Right. Now, but again, as we know, because we've talked about it on this show, the war in Ukraine is at least partly Biden's fault. Hmm. Because right up until the beginning of the war, when Russia was doing the build-up of its forces on the border... Putin saying, no, we're not going to invade. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Um, we know that he was having discussions with Biden uh, about his concerns for Ukraine. And one of the things that he was wanting to extract from Putin was a commitment that the U.S. wouldn't support Ukraine joining NATO. 
Right. That Biden and did not support that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Biden basically told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> That's not not even open for discussion, basically. Right. Yes. Freedom, freedom, now, if freedom, you, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. If you, if you believe, as I do, that the invasion of the Ukraine is largely because of the threat of Ukraine joining NATO, and before that, the US coups in Ukraine in 2004 and 2014, mm-hmm. and, and you know Russia's concerns about what that means to have the US taking control of a, a country that was formerly part of Russia, then formerly mm-hmm. part of the then part of the Soviet Union, um, and having America taking indirect control of yes. establishing who the government is, and also you know making a, a serious play after that for all of the business and the trade in Ukraine, the energy business, the telecommunications business, oh, yeah. et cetera, the media, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, something had to break eventually. Now, we know because we've talked about on the show that people have been predict- smarter people than us. And believe it or not, there are some people out there that I consider to be smarter than me. Uh, <clears throat> not many. Um <laughs> <laughs> We caught up with uh, Riley and Megan for dinner in, well, somewhere outside of Salt Lake City in an undisclosed location, which is their uh, evil fortress. Sure. And um, I was I was waxing on like this about how I'm the smartest person in the world and the greatest person <laughs> in the world at some point. And they were looking at me, and Chrissy was like, "He's just, he's just joking. <laughs> he does this just to amuse himself." And I was like, "About time you fucking woke up to that." Because <laughs> when I when I say shit like that around her, she will usually go, "Oh my god, you're such an egotistical prick." And I'm like, "I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking over here. Yeah, I like you know, just for the record, when I say shit like that, it's just to amuse right. myself and Ray, right? Like when I talk about my incredible lovemaking skills. There's a touch oh, of irony in there. Oh, I'm vouching for you on that. There's a tip touch. of irony in there. <laughs> it's anyway. not irony, really. <laughs> you, you, your understanding of irony is as bad as, uh, isn't it ironic, Chick? As, but, as my <clears throat> It's just skills. you're being facetious. Yes. I'm being facetious. Yes. I don't mean these things. It's uh, all for the sake of true. It's all for the sake of comedy, as Fox likes to say, whenever right. he does anything that I don't like. <laughs> <clears throat> Dad. It's for the sake of comedy. I love yeah, it. It's all for the sake of comedy, Dad. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. People like Mia Scheimer, George Keenan himself, George Keenan Thompson, Chomsky, sure. uh, the list sure. goes on. People that have been saying for 30-odd years since the Clinton days uh, when he started expanding NATO, this is not going to end well. Uh, Russia right. won't take this forever, and that's what we've seen happen this year. Um, so, you know, Biden, if Biden in those conversations with, uh, Putin had said, I hear you, I understand your concerns. Um, I, I, you know, I will, while I have anything to do with it, um, yeah. Ukraine will not become a member of NATO. Who knows? Maybe this wouldn't have happened and people's houses would not be destroyed. People wouldn't have been killed. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and part of what Russia wanted, Putin wanted, was some sort of deal over the Dohansk, Lubensk regions, uh, Donbass mm. region to abbreviate it. Um, right. You know, if he'd been able to get the accommodations that he wanted for that. Uh, now, you may argue that it's not Putin. I mean, Putin's position, you shouldn't be asking for this stuff. Uh, Biden didn't have the authority to give that stuff. That's a whole other conversation. But, you know, there's a difference between saying, I don't have the authority to uh, negotiate uh, on these things versus it's off the table and we're not even going to talk about it. Uh, We're not taking your concerns seriously. We're not treating them as legitimate concerns. Yeah. Again, respect and dealing honestly. Yeah. So then the other, so I, I guess where I'm getting with all that is I think Biden does hold some blame for the war and does hold, therefore, some blame for the rising gas prices, probably not in the way that the Trump supporters are suggesting. Right. Uh, they're going, well, he became president, the economy is fucked and all that kind of stuff. It's obviously a little bit more complicated than that. 
Um, not to mention, you know, interest rates and inflation, partially a result of all of the uh, money that was printed to prop up the American economy during the Trump years as president. Yeah. Uh, you know, Americans, look, people generally speaking, we talked about this on the QAV show this week, um, people don't do well with complexity and cause and effect and large data sets and large time scales and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Our brains just haven't evolved to deal with complexity. They're involved with me fuck woman now and me kill tiger now and me hunt antelope now. And, and don't get um, those confused. And me, me tug on penis now because feel good. <laughs> we haven't really evolved much beyond that. That's where our brains were at for hundreds of thousands of years. Yes. Uh, so to think, uh, this gets back to Daniel Kahneman, thinking fast and slow, this kind of stuff, to, to think deeply about things is hard. It, it's literally a high caloric activity. It takes yeah. energy. Labor, work. Labor yeah. Yeah. and time. And most of us don't want to do the hard thinking because it's hard, and particularly right. if there's no reason to do it. Like there's no payday. You and I get paid to read and think. Mm-hmm. I was talking to um, one of Chrissy's brothers-in-law uh, uh, at one point, and um, he said, so, you know, what, what, what's your work schedule like? And I said, well, basically I start reading books on Monday and then I start talking about what I read on Friday and then <laughs> repeat and then on Monday. And and I just yeah. read, book, yeah. read books all week <laughs> and then talk about what I read. And he goes, well, he said, oh, that sounds, he said, that sounds horrible. It sounds like a nightmare to me. I'm like, no, for, for me it's like uh, – I can't believe how lucky I am. I get paid to read yeah. books and talk about shit. It's dream, dream, dream job, right? Dream come Scrapper true things. for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anywho, but for him, not so much. Gotcha. Not so much. Now, now people uh, don't have time. Most people are too busy working. Uh, I get it. I was like that yeah. for a long time. It's really hard to read when you got a real job. Yes. And you're exhausted <laughs> at the end of the day because you've been dealing with all of the bullshit and the dickheads at the at the office. Right? Uh, then you got families and kids and oh, they were you know, worse. mistresses and right. you know, all this kind of Crack stuff. Crack habits. I, I got you. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> so um, where was I with this? Uh, Biden, Russia, Biden's Busy, fault. Deep thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complicated. Yeah, yeah. Economics is complicated. Um, yeah, uh, there was going to be more to that. Uh, the, what's uh, So America's fucked, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't like to spend a lot of time thinking or analyzing or whatever proper term is. And, yeah. of course, you've got the January 6 hearings going on, which has given us a lot of great stories about how crazy things were in the lead-up to that in the White House. How planned. And, and yet yes. Trump is still a contender for 2024. Uh, the, the fact that he's not a complete uh, persona non grata um, what do, what do they do in Rome? The uh, get rid of the uh, get rid of the names. Uh, oh yeah, more 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 Morato Damnei Damnei. They strike you from the records, literally, literally. Yeah, they should have done that to Trump by now. Yeah. The fact that I, I, the last story I read a day or so ago was that fifty percent of Republicans say they still um, support Trump in the primaries. Right. And there was a poll, and he he was only like five points behind Biden within the margin of error. So he's a contender. He's a contender. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. So anyway, I I think uh, America's fucked still. um, And, you know, I'm I'm sad for my friends and family who live here and for you. Yeah, Um, me too. Thanks. But uh, you can't say I haven't been fucking warning you for years and years and years, people. Like, that's get true. The fuck get the fuck out. Get out. He's old in friend the of house. mine. Yes, go ahead. Uh, old friend of mine who's up in Seattle said to me yesterday, we were chatting on text, and I said, Yeah, I think he goes, How's the trip? And I go, It's great, but wouldn't want to live here because I think the place is a powder keg. And he said, um, Well, you know, if Trump gets elected again, you better make a bed for me because I'll move. And I was like, Motherfucker, everyone says that. Yeah. You all say that. I remember everyone saying that when Trump was elected the first time, six years ago. No one moved. You're all still here. Right. No one, you know, no one does it. Everyone all talks. The shit. Yeah. It. No one actually does it. Yeah. Yeah. Throw all the shit. Uh, no one moved either. Either. Yeah. Yeah. So the Supreme Court, yeah, is fucked and everything's fucked. 
Anyway, so moving on to other stories that have taken our attention over the last couple of weeks or months, whatever it is since we've done a show. Right. We talked about this briefly on the Cold War show earlier, but um, good old Mr. Mustache himself, John Bolton. <laughs> right. Now, for the kids out there who don't know who this guy was, he was sort of a big deal back in the Bush administration days. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go right back, he was an attorney, diplomat, Republican consultant, political commentator, served as the 25th United, Na- United States ambassador to the United Nations from 2005 to 2006. Then mm. he was the uh, 26th. United States National Security Advisor from 2018 to 2019 mm. under Trump. Right. Do you remember what uh, he was he doing was, before he got that job? Uh, blowing little boys under a bridge? No, what? Close. He was working on Fox News as a commentator, and and Trump saw him and said, that's the one, that's the guy I got. So, yeah, Fox, uh, Trump has picked several people over the years who he, who he has seen on Fox TV. That's kind of his process. Bring in Mr. Magoo. Uh, he was uh, Assistant Attorney General under Reagan, uh, Assistant Secretary of State for International Organization Affairs under Bush 1, Under Secretary of State for Arms Control and International Security Affairs from 2001 to 2005 under Bush 2. And, and he was uh, one of the directors of Project for the New American Century. Okay. Uh, PNAC. Now, do, do you remember the the PNAC report? No. Tell me all about PNAC. <clears throat> We've talked about this over the years. I, don't uh, I talked about it in my book too. Right. Um, so, uh, PNAC, the project for the New American Century, created in the late nineties by Billy Crystal. Not the actor, but the other one, William Thank Crystal, God. the conservative commentator, yeah. and Robert Kagan. It was a, a think tank, supposedly, um, that put out a report uh, just before George W. Bush was elected president. Um, that basically, it was called Rebuilding America's Defenses. And mm. it was a 90-page report. I read it when it came out at the time, and I was like, oh, fuck, let's hope these guys don't ever get into power. (laughs) Right. And they all got into power. Um, It basically talked about how America, what America was going to need to do in order to dominate uh, global economy and military affairs in the 21st century. It was signed by Cheney, Rumsfeld, all uh, the usual gang of uh, assholes. Right. Who are obviously uh, so? And, and, well, actually, one of the one of the um, points that it made. This is a quote from the report. Was uh, further. This is nineteen ninety seven. Okay, uh, this came out. Uh, no, sorry, two thousand. This came out. Two thousand. Okay. Um, yeah. It's the, the the thing was founded in the late nineties, ninety seven. The report came out in two thousand. It said. Um, The process of transformation, talking about, this is under a section called Creating Tomorrow's Dominant Force. There's a line that says, uh, the process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent Mm. some catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. Oh, fuck. Right. Pretty much six months to the day after this report came out, George W. Bush was elected president. Six months to the day after he uh, became president, the 9-11 attacks happened, which was a new Pearl Harbor and gave them exactly what they were suggesting would be required Mm -hmm. in order for America to justify massively ramping up its uh, military operations. And surveillance on its own citizens. But exactly the story. So Bolton was part of that. He was a foreign policy advisor to Mitt Romney when he was running for president. Anyway. Yeah. So so does it sound like he's qualified? He's qualified for this position with Trump. That's what it sounds like. Oh, totally. So Johnny B B went on Jake Tapper (laughs) this week. Right. 
Talking about January did Johnny 6th. Be good? The US... <laughs> Johnny be good? <laughs> or did he be bad? Sorry. Johnny, <laughs> Johnny be really good. Um, Johnny, Johnny B said out loud what you only are supposed to say quietly <laughs> in America. Right? Um, Lay it on me. Yeah. He uh, said to Jake Tapper, talking about Trump and January 6th, as somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, not here, but, you know, in other places, it takes a lot of work, and that's not what he, Trump, did. Yeah. Um, Tapper asked point. Bolton which coup d'etats he was referring to, and he said, look, I'm not going to get into specifics. He but then said, 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 then said, well, Venezuela. It turned out yeah. not to be successful, not that we had all that much to do with it, but I saw what it took for an opposition to try and overturn an illegally elected president, and they failed. Right. He's talking about Juan Guaido and their support of that. Tapper said, I feel like there's other stuff you're not telling me, and Bolton <laughs> said, I'm sure there is. <laughs> yeah, they we failed. Trump failed. The point is I recognize the signs because I failed myself. So he admits for Trump. As a BBC journalist from Kenya wrote on Twitter, John Bolton, who served in highest positions in the U.S. government, including U.N. ambassador, casually boasting about how he's helped plan coups in other countries. Should we gloss right over that whole Venezuelan thing? Should there be another investigation to that? Or we're just letting that go? Dude, you start investigating America's actions and places like that, you're opening a big fucking can of worms that no Good one point. here wants to open. Good point. And and you know this as well as I do. Is besides Nixon, no American president gets punished. No American president goes to jail. Um, Bush Jr., little Bush, as I like to think of him. I mean, you know, goes into the Middle East. There's wars. Billions or trillions of dollars are spent. Thousands, tens of thousands of lives lost. Does anything happen to him? No. He becomes a painter. So unless something really weird happens, Trump might sweat, but I really have a hard time seeing him behind bars. Yeah. Speak, speaking of Americans uh, not going to jail, somebody copied me in on a tweet the other right. day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and bring it up. All right. Um, some thread where somebody wrote... Um, <clears throat> Somebody wrote uh, about some um, Russian guy who was on TV being uh, talking about Ukraine, etc. Right. Um, <clears throat> some guy on Twitter wrote, "I'm I'm going to be going on about this for a while, but New York Times character oh, sorry, New York Times New York Times characterization of Igor Gurkin as an analyst." is up there with Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the austere religious scholar. And then uh, these guys, Brad Heitman was uh, one of our sometime listeners who um, roped me into this. They started making jokes about um, uh, historical figures being treated seriously by uh, the media like... um, Pope Sixtus IV claims Spanish Inquisition satirical, harmless trolling, literary critics silenced... Um, critics surprised by Odysseus's installation work, Trojan Horse, a meditation on impermanence. Uh, Julius Caesar says performance masterpiece crossing the Rubicon is a fantasy pop-up to Trump conservative values. Joachim Murat synchronized equestrian dressage Austerlitz cancelled after fatal collision with pedestrians. <clears throat> That's where he linked David Markham and I in saying we're the only people who would get it. I wrote, yeah, it's nice, but in all seriousness, 90% of the U.S. media content these days seems to be analysts who are former U.S. military slash lobbyists who survive on the tit of Pentagon slash congressional funding and spend their lives justifying American force. And this uh, original poster replied to me, they also didn't brag about committing war crimes, openly announced their disregard for international law and face conviction for shooting down a passenger airliner full of civilians. A veteran analyst is fine. A convicted war criminal being characterized as one is not. I said, are you kidding me? They do all of those things constantly. Yes. American media analysts are full of... Uh, people who would be considered war criminals and are considered war criminals um, around the world, but, of course, they're never going to 
be tried. They're never going to end up on a witness stand because of, you know, America's doesn't play nicely with uh, international um, no. criminal courts or, you know, tribunes, 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 tribunals. There's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. There's nothing in it for us, so why should we? And, yeah, it protects our people so they can keep doing crazy shit. So now they're all talking heads, getting paid a lot of money, perpetuating the American narrative about the stuff that we do. We have to do it. It keeps us safe. Yeah. When we do it, it's okay. Um, Speaking of people doing bad things and getting away with it, you remember when Putin was uh, gearing up for the invasion of Ukraine, he gave a big speech and... He mentioned uh, fascists or Nazis or oh, yeah. neo-Nazis. And he got laughed at, yeah. In positions of power in Ukraine and everyone said, ah, oh, it's ridiculous, it's bullshit, he's making it up, no such thing. Zelensky came out and said, well, I'm a Jew. How right. could I be a Jew if there are fascists in the government, if the government's fascist or whatever? Right. <clears throat> so I read this story in the New York Times the other day. Um, Andrew Melnick... Ukraine's ambassador to Germany since 2014, was one of the most recognised faces of the Ukrainian cause in Germany, never shying away from levelling fierce criticism of what many saw as Germany's slow response to the Russian invasion and often provoking the ire of the country's political elite. But in an interview on the show Jung and Naive, which streamed on YouTube on June 29th, Mr Melnick defended the memory of Stepan Bandera, the leader of the far-right organization of Ukrainian nationalists during World War II. The nationalist group, which espoused fascist ideology, collaborated with German forces when they occupied Ukraine, and some of those forces assisted in the mass murders of Poles and Jews. Wow. So He was Ukraine's ambassador to Germany. Is that tacky? Is that a tray tra- gauche to have a Nazi be representative of Germany in another country. Takes one to know one, I think they said. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so listen, like I'm not, that doesn't necessarily mean that Putin was not stretching it a little bit. Yeah. But um, there, were there was definitely a, yeah. a, a guy who was friendly to fascists, very high up in the government before he was the ambassador uh, to Germany, he um, was deputy minister um, in the first Yatsenuk government, 2014, mm-hmm. for, responsible for European integration. Before that, he worked in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, etc., etc. Before that, he was a lawyer right. uh, in Ukraine, um, an advisor to Viktor Yushchenko. Mm. Now... Um, wasn't Yushchenko the uh, – he was the one that was pro-Russian, right? It sounds right, yes. I think. Sounds, no, um, no, he was uh, no, he was the one that got poisoned with oh, Agent Orange. Too many names, yes. Wrong, wrong Y1. <laughs> I always get the Ys confused over there. As you should. <clears throat> yeah. So um, Yanukovych, mm. Yushchenko, Yatsenuk. Yanukovych. No. I need nicknames. I'm never ever. No. I'm never going to be able to get them straight. Was that the foreign? When we did the shows, I. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> With the foreign uh, president. Same, we... I'm sorry. The president of Ukraine was that the one where he he was showing some news crew his. Incredible house with all the gold and every all the inlaid and it pissed the people off. I'm the tr- gold toilet? Yeah, the gold toilet. Yeah, yeah. But maybe we should call him the gold toilet guy or Trump Jr. No, there already is one. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Let's give him nicknames. Toilet guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. That was uh, Yanukovych, I think. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anywho, uh, there you go. There's a story that at least backs up part of Putin's right. argument that there were, you know, senior people in the government or appointees by the government that are pro-fascist mm. um, or at least fascist apologists in the um, right. Ukrainian government. Jeez. So, you know, and, and obviously he was also probably talking about the the um, militants uh, in the Donbass area 
that have been fighting against the the Russian militants there, right, for control of the Donbass region. We know a lot of those are part of genuine fascist organizations. Yes. So they're, they're fascist groups. Yeah. So. You know, in the Western media, uh, I'm sure in the, even the New York Times, I could go back to uh, early uh, on in the invasion where they were uh, lampooning uh, Putin's claims about uh, fascists uh, being supported or inside of the Ukrainian government. Turns out that now the New York Times go, well, yeah, there's there's, there's fascists. Well, yeah. Well, when we said he, right. when we said he's making shit up, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, of course there are. Yeah, fascists. We 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 forgot about that bit, right? But but yeah, he oversimplified it. But they weren't going to give him credit for anything he said at that time. So it yeah, it doesn't matter that it's true or partly true. Yeah, and you know, and there were lots of people I know that uh, supposedly intelligent and historians and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff uh, on Facebook lampooning Putin's claims as well, just embarrassing themselves. Yeah. Uh, if they'd done a little bit of work on this rather than just jumping on the bash Putin bandwagon, they'd know that, you know, look, Putin may have stretched it, but there are elements of truth, at least in that claim of, yeah. of what he was talking there about. There was something to stretch. Let's, yes. Let's talk about the Supreme Court and abortion, Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chrissy and I have had a lot of conversations uh, uh, over the course of the last few weeks right. about why, why... The Supreme Court is doing this. We're like, why the why the far right uh, wanting to overturn abortion? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from, from her perspective, it's just to oppress women because they hate women. Because it's more complicated. Mary, yeah. Mary, something, something, oh, big you know, whore. Uh, Jesus, right. um, something, something. She entrapped. Virgin, I don't know. Mary entrapped mm. God. Not too many people know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to she was dangling it, <clears throat> dangling a pussy there, like, "Hey, woohoo, God, you want to hit this?" Mm-mm. Wearing tight little red dresses, getting drunk, being sure. a bit slutty. Yeah, yeah. She made she made him rape her. The rest is history. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And my argument uh, has been, well, I, I think it's more to do with just appealing to the religious right, the religious conservatives. You know, throwing them a little bit of something just to keep their support. It's how they separate themselves from the Democrats, who, right. in most of their policies now, are that far from where the Republicans would have been fifty years ago during, say, Nixon. Um, but <clears throat> you know, they need to they need to find pillars to appeal to the religious right and. And um, abortion of one of those. But I read an article in the New York Times again. Mm-hmm. Been reading a lot of the New York Times since I've been over here, more than usual. Right. Uh, there was an article, it was an opinion piece uh, I th- uh, written. Um, I'm not sure who wrote this, actually. Let me go have a look. I don't think this was one of Elizabeth Warren's. She wrote it. This is Charles M. Blow. Um, Charles. Charles Blow, yes, um, famous of course for um, inventing the blow job. Right before the, before Charles came along, Chucky, it was just called um, mouth on dick. Right action. Well, but he was like, no, nah, it's not. It's I, not good. We have to. We have to do something uh, about that. It's, about, uh, it's all about uh, labeling. But no, um, before that, I had invented self blow jobs. But again, I didn't call them mm. blow jobs at the time. It was just race. Pleasure principle. Sucky, sucky. sucky. Just sucky, 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 sucky me time. Um, and, but this guy comes along, much better title, much better term. You can do a lot with it with jokes. Yeah. So I thank you. Plus, my back is getting sore. So, but that's a whole different, we don't need to, anyway, please go on. Chucky Blow um, joined the Times in 1994. He's been an opinion columnist since 2008, television commentator, writes about politics, social justice, etc. Right. Um, so here's, theory in this, which was I thought was interesting. He said, there are many reasons for what's happening. Some of the most fervent proponents of the abortion bans can claim religious objections. Others are merely angling for a political advantage or catering to the basest instincts of the American electorate, hoping to force more white women to have children yes. in order to prevent white people from losing their majority status. Absolutely. 
because hey, no one wants to be a minority because you get we get to see firsthand what happens in this country. So whatever it takes to stay number one, that's what we'll do. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that um, as one of the motivations for this. I mean, obviously you've got like the the, the anti-abortion uh, Christian populace yeah. out there yeah, who probably like, yeah. think it's a Jesus-y thing. <laughs> Um, God loves babies. Yeah. Well, uh, did white, you hear about the woman? White in, babies. White babies. Go ahead. White babies. Yeah. Did you hear about the woman in Texas who got caught uh, driving by herself in the HOV lane? The she is my hero. She is my personal hero now. Yeah. So f- for non-Americans, she's using their logic. Go ahead. For non-Americans over here, they have a lane. It's like the. Um, Group lane, the, the, lane. What do you call it? Yeah. yeah. What do you call it when you uh, have lots of people in your car when uh, you're driving to work? Um, mobile orgy. <laughs> no, we don't have those much around here because I live in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, I know there's yeah. those H whatever O lines, but I've seen them once or twice in my life. If you have two or more people in the car, you can go on the fast lane, basically. Right. Um, yes. She was caught in it by herself, and uh, her justification was that she's 34 weeks pregnant. She goes, well, according to the Supreme Court, yeah, there's hey, two bitch. people in it's this right. car. One of them's in my belly, but there's two but, people yes. in the car. So fuck you. I'm driving and, in the fast lane. And fuck you from my baby. Yeah. yeah. So let's see what happens. And plus, you should be able to claim them on taxes, you know, child support, the whole thing. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah, good luck to her. So anyway, yeah, um, this idea that uh, one of the – so what I was saying is there's the people who go, yeah, yeah, God doesn't like abortions. Right. Um, then you've got uh, the the political uh, guys that have their own agenda for why they're doing it and why yeah. they're, you know, why the Supreme Court's pushing for it. And, you know, this idea that it's to make sure there are more white women having white babies, uh, it's idiocracy stuff, right? We need more white yes. babies out there. So we don't lose our majority um, to the uh, niggers. Oh, sorry, did I say that? I mean yeah, the uh, yeah. black people well, and the uh, Latinos. All, all the non-whiteies, I, I think, is fine. How to put sorry, it. I'm reading this book on um, Frank Lloyd Wright, right. uh, biography on Frank Lloyd Wright, and the, there's a lot of use of the N-word in this book. It's a modern biography on him, but um, I don't know if I don't, I, I, I may have told wow. you this story when we were in the Grand Canyon, but... Frank Lloyd Wright probably, you know, recognises the greatest architect um, of the 20th century. Uh, in 1914, well, 1909, go back a bit, mm-hmm. he was already massively famous, already right. considered probably the greatest architect uh, in the world, and uh, he had a wife and a bunch of kids, and he left his wife and sure. went to Europe with the wife of one of his clients that he'd built a house for. Good times. Uh, lady called Maynard. And they went to Europe for a year. Then he came back and he built a house for them in Wisconsin called Taliesin. And they moved into Taliesin. Now, she didn't have custody of her kids. Her ex-husband did. But they would come and stay and, and visit and that kind yeah. of stuff. And then in 1914, by the way, Frank got Frank and Maynard both got completely pilloried in the U.S. media sure. for being adulterers and not living according to biblical principles, and right. um, including uh, his cousin Richard Lloyd Jones, who owned a newspaper in Tulsa. Mm. Uh, wrote condemning articles about him on behalf of the family, has embarrassed the family, and they all, you know, uh, Richard's yeah. father was a pastor. They they had a lot of Unitarians, and Frank built a Unitarian church, which is um, very famous still around today, still considered a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, a lot of, lot of um, moralizing about Frank's decision to run off with this woman. Right. In 1914... He left uh, Taliesin. He did go to uh, uh, Chicago. He was working on the Midway building there. And um, while he was away, uh, one of his servants, black fella by the name of Julian Carlton, mm-hmm. um, killed Maynard with a with an axe God. through the head. Whack! Yeah. When she was, she and the family and the rest of the staff were sitting down to their noon meal. 
Right. Carlton came in and hit her in the back of the head with an axe, basically split her head completely in two with an axe. <sighs> then he killed her two kids who were visiting, staying with them, hacked them to death with the axe. Right. Then he set the house on fire. And when <laughs> the other staff in the servants' dining room on the other side of the house panicked and jumped out of the window on fire, he ran around and killed all of them as well with an axe. Oh, my God. Throw then up. he drank hydrochloric acid, and he was oh, found in the yeah. mouldering ruins of the house in a fire-safe uh, oven or safe or something safe room with or his something. throat burnt out uh, with hydrochloric acid. Right. Um, survived seven weeks, I think, in jail before he died of starvation because he starved himself. He probably couldn't eat anyway. Right. Burnt his throat out with... Hydrochloric acid. Shit. <clears throat> Didn't say anything about why he did it. Right. His wife, who was also a servant there, just said he went crazy uh, and she ran away when she figured out what he was going to do. He'd been sleeping with the axe under his pillow for a few days, I think she said, before that happened. They were about, uh, I think it was their last day. According to Wright, they were supposed to finish up their employment that day. And wow. We know that one of the servants... Uh, not one of the servants, one of the workers who was working on the house there had been making abusive, racist comments towards him. Anyway, so there's a lot of um, newspaper coverage about this affair, this event, and so mm -hmm. prodigious use of the N-word for explaining what happened and why it happened. Jesus. So if, and if, this was if it slips, decade? This is 1914. But here's okay. the thing, right? So Frank Lloyd Wright's cousin, Richard Lloyd-Jones, mm -hmm. newspaper publisher, in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, he wrote all about this. He was there when Frank got back to back to Taliesin after leaving Chicago. Richard was there to greet him, uh, right. even though they didn't really get along. Fast forward uh, seven years, Richard Lloyd-Jones still publishing a newspaper in Tulsa. Right. Uh, the Tulsa Tribune or something like that. He starts writing stories about all of the bad niggers in Tulsa that they needed to do something about. Mm. <clears throat> because, as, as I'm sure you, as a good American who's studied history, knows, at the time, 1920, 1921 in Tulsa, there was very heavy segregation. There was a demarcation line. Whites lived below the line. Blacks lived above the line. Right. And the blacks were doing really well. They had Black Wall Street, as it sort of was referred yeah. to. Nice very houses. successful black people, very nice houses, successful yeah. businesses, lawyers. People were doing really, really well. And the whites in Tulsa weren't uh, were very happy about that. There was yeah. a story about a, a young black guy who supposedly molested a white girl who was an elevator operator. Um, right. Richard Lloyd-Jones wrote these big inflammatory articles about it and how, and then started promoting the idea of a lynch mob coming together to go get this guy and Jesus. lynch him. That turned into the Tulsa massacre, the Tulsa race riots, the Tulsa massacre of 1921, Thousands uh, of um, black people in Tulsa displaced. Entire the entire black section of the city burned to the ground. Hundreds yes. dead because of Richard Lloyd Jones's articles. Uh, primarily, he drove the whole thing, and he was Frank Lloyd Wright's cousin, first cousin. Right. And uh, it was you know the black guy had killed Frank Lloyd Wright's mistress, uh, woman, and her kids. So uh, we, we don't really know if there's a connection between those things, but Richard Lloyd-Jones lived a long life, uh, very successful. Uh, here's the interesting thing. The, the archival copies of the paper, his paper mm -hmm. that talk about this, never to be found. Um, in in oh. the late 90s, Tulsa or Oklahoma had like a, a, an investigation or a something, something into the whole thing. They put out a $1,000 bounty for a copy of that paper um, yeah. with his articles in it. No one ever delivered one. The microfiche versions of them on record have that article torn out of them. Um, so somebody's gone to extreme lengths to remove yes. the existence of this. But 
To the end of his life, Richard Lloyd-Jones um, never apologised for it, never commented on it. His newspaper never, which he then ran for decades afterwards, never commented on the race riots, never commented right. on everything being burnt down, all the people dead, didn't comment on the fact that the black guy who was accused of molesting the white woman charges were dropped. She said, no, it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all it was all uh, beat up. Um, right. So anyway. So to recap... I am not allowed to go to Europe and get or get a mistress and go to Europe and have a great time. That's not allowed, but I can a race ride and get a whole bunch of people killed and and bunch of houses burned down. That is okay because they're a different race. I just want to make yeah. sure. So so those newspaper articles and that microfish, along with Kennedy's brain, are being hidden somewhere to this day. Yeah. Just amazing. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Changing ah. topics, uh, congratulations Please. from us to uh, Gustavo Petro. He won the election uh, a few weeks ago in Colombia, becomes Colombia's first leftist leader, former nice. rebel and longtime senator. Um, this is June, late June this happened in Bogota. Is he, is he still in power? Because there's a good yes. chance he's not. Oh, good, good. I'm but glad. it's... Only a matter of time before um, we start. John Bolton. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> before before John Bolton uh, gets in brought in to do something about right. this. Yeah, yeah. Look, in, in all seriousness, um, you know, we it would be interesting to see how this plays out. We're calling it here that there will be uh, there if his government survives long enough um there will be accusations by the US against Colombia something something socialism something something drug deals bribes drug de- exactly yes. yeah. oh he's yeah. he's taking all the money out of the country he's living large he's ripping yeah. off the people humanitarian etc et Chat about that guy. Now, if I could, real quick, and I'll let you get back to that story. Compare him a success, and we do wish him all the uh, the luck in the world. Compare him to George Wajakyoa, who was running for president in Kenya, and one of his major promises is: if you elect me, I promise to make Kenya a major exporter of marijuana, snake venom, and hyenas' testicles. That is how you build a country's economy. So I'm wishing him luck as well, because I would really like to see what could happen with that. So good luck to George and Kenya. That's all I wanted to say. Those three things, of course, being the main ingredients for my favorite drink, uh, Blue Dream, as we call it. You mix those things together, you're going to have a weekend that you will never forget. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of middle of the Arizona desert, underneath the Suara cactus, <laughs> Blue Dream. Yeah. I like to soak the hyena's testicles in snake venom and marijuana, of course, yeah. stuff, and mm. suck on it like it's a a, a drop or mm. something. So mm. to really, mm. you know, stretch it out. Well, you know the old tequila thing, lick, sip, suck. Uh, <laughs> so you lick the hyena testicles, <laughs> sip on the snake venom, and then you suck on your vape or your pipe the marijuana that's originally where it came from tequila that, sort of stole it but you know does that negate the venom or at least weaken it or is that the testicles do it? i don't know just oh, as long it, as it, it makes works. they all combine together it makes it better speaking of tequila i really got into tequila on this trip in, in arizona uh, drinking tequila um oh. loving 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 the te- tequila uh, loving yeah? the tequila go home okay. i'm gonna try and get a bottle of tequila to keep on here yeah, <clears throat> So, anywho, back to uh, yes. our friend Gustavo, sorry, Fring Petro, right? Um, at the age of seventeen, he became a member of the guerrilla group, the Nineteenth of April Movement, which evolved into the M Nineteen Democratic Alliance. Yes, uh, which was a political party. He was elected in nineteen ninety one to become a member of the Chamber of Representatives. Served as a senator, la di da da resigned right. to run in the presidential elections in 2010, finished fourth, la di da da and now he's the uh, president. So Yeah, stuck to it. Uh, leftist revolutionary leader, um, not, you know, he's got an interesting position on Venezuela. 
He's not exactly a big supporter of Venezuela under Chavez or Maduro. Hasn't sure. denounced Maduro, um, uh, but he is supportive of guys like, um, I don't know, I think some of the other supporters of the region, like Evo Morales, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, he did right. meet with Chavez back in the day, um, and when Chavez died, he said he was a great Latin American leader. Quote, you mm-hmm. lived in Chavez's times and maybe you thought he was a clown. You were fooled. You lived in the times of a great Latin American leader. Even if many do not like him, Hugo Chavez will be a man who will be remembered by the history of Latin America. His critics will be forgotten. A yes. friend and a hope is gone. So, um, you know, supportive of other leftist Latin American leaders, if not, um, you know, uh, uh, complete support. Mm-hmm. He... Um, criticized uh, America's attempts at intervention against Maduro under Trump and our old friend Johnny B. Uh, Only Venezuela should solve Venezuela's problems. It's not a coup d'etat backed by foreigners that will bring democracy to Venezuela. What is happening in Venezuela is a frontal struggle for the control of oil. So, um... He's not going to last long. Yeah. So we'll see see what happens with him. But just... We will keep an right. eye on that for you, uh, boys and girls. Yes. See exactly. what happens uh, with that yeah. story. Hopefully it will turn out well, but history shows probably not. Yeah. yeah. Back to the war in Ukraine. Uh, a story I read about a month ago. This is in the ABC in Australia. Uh, Australia sent $200 million, at least at that stage, in weapons and Bushmaster vehicles... The U.S. at that point had approved 54 billion U.S. dollars in aid to Ukraine. Damn. Um, As uh, some commentator said, when you think about comparing that to some other things in the U.S. budget, our space agency NASA's budget is only U.S. 24 billion dollars. We only allocated $1 billion to climate finance, which is really important effects in countries all over the world. Right. So $54, $55 billion. And there'll be more. For Ukraine. Yeah, you're probably right. There'll be more. Yeah. So why does it matter to America to the tune of $54 billion, Ray, when... Climate finance is only worth a billion dollars. Um, I would argue that the programming from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s is still around, even though Russia is not tech- technically communist in our heads. They are the enemy no matter what. Yes, we won, but now there seems to be a rematch of the Cold War, and you do whatever you can to make sure the other side doesn't win. I think for the Americans, this is just us. Um, stuck in a mode. Russia, Russia's obviously the enemy. Oh, he's he's been a, a, a tough guy. We've got to support the other guys for freedom, law, America, and all apple pie and all that other shit. I, I think it's still programming from the Cold War. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> no, I think it's um, purely about this uh, struggle for the economy of Ukraine right. and weakening Russia. And also, as a bonus, yeah, uh, dragging out this war as long as possible. You know, we've talked on this series about um, Russia's invasion of Afghanistan, 1979, if you can yes. call it an invasion, because they were invited in by the right. presidents, by successive presidents of Afghanistan at the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we know then that Zbigniew Brzezinski who was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor mm-hmm. uh, before the Russian invasion, said to Carter, he claims, that uh, claimed when he was still alive, that if um, we play this right, play our cards right, we can give uh, Russia its own Vietnam. Uh, and and then they it. deliberately uh, stretched that out for 10 years. We know that from Brezhnev's view at the time, it was, it was like a one-month operation. We come in... We get rid of our men, we put the other guy in, uh, then we leave. That was it. Yes. Boom. It was a quick transition thing and we're out. Right. Turned into a 10-year clusterfuck, mostly because the Americans kept supporting uh, the Mojo Hardin to fight a guerrilla war. 
Uh, so I think this is what they're doing again in Ukraine. I think that $54 billion is to, you know, get Putin involved in another Vietnam-style drag-out war yeah. with the hope that uh, it'll, A, weaken Russia, B, the sanctions will continue, uh, which will enable American co- companies mm-hmm. to and their allies in Saudi Arabia and Europe right. to uh, snap up the markets ah. where Russia has been supplying gas and oil right. and those sorts of things and other, and other goods and services. Yeah. And they get control of the Ukrainian economy. Well, not get control because they have control of it. They keep control of right. the U- Ukrainian economy and everything that that's worth um, for decades. This is an investment. Like the Marshall Plan was an investment, which yeah. has paid off. You know, they, they Oh, yeah. In, in, Late 40s, they made an investment in, in Western Europe and it's still paying dividends to American businesses today. Same sort of thing here. They're basically buying uh, Ukraine and uh, all of those markets, which they believe will you know, uh, have long-term benefits. Now, of course, who's paying for that? Well, the American people. Where's that money coming from? Well, it's probably being created through debt and the American people are going to have to pay that back. Yes. Um, twice. That's the reality. I mean, the Ukrainians will pay for it as well because there will be, you know, what looks like aid from the outside, what is positioned as aid, this is true with the Marshall Plan, it's true with any sort of aid you see today. Mm-hmm. It is normally the result of uh, intense negotiation between countries. Country A, the aid-giving country, to mm-hmm. country B, the country that's in a war or a famine or whatever. It's like, okay, we know this from um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, et cetera, et cetera. It's okay, well, listen, uh, we'll give you the money or we'll give you a line of credit to get stuff from us. Right. But here's what we want in return. Here's our shopping list of demands. We want access to these markets. We want you to commit to buying this stuff from us. We want um, you to, uh, you know, in the case of the Marshall Plan, crush any socialist uh, parties, movements right. in your country and ban them in perpetuity. Uh, we want you to reduce the tariffs that you have on products X, Y, and Z because we have mm-hmm. producers, manufacturers in our country that, can't, that want to sell to your country, so you have to get rid of the tariffs or the protectionism, yeah. that sort of stuff. So there's uh, we want control. We want access to your oil fields and control over your oil fields. I know when Australia was supporting, in air quotes, uh, East Timor in their struggle against Indonesia uh, twenty years ago, that was part of it. Oh, you, you've got some gas off oh. the off the coast in your yeah. territory. There, we want we that. Could use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. want the yeah. we want the LNG off uh, your coast. Thank you very much. Wow. If you want our support in your uh, war, we want access to your shit. They were like, well, our people might need that money to rebuild. Nah, that's your fucking problem. Yeah. Um, So these things are negotiations. They're business negotiations. We'll give you X if you give us Y. The you give us Y bit is never talked about in polite company. Right. You have have to read really detailed uh, histories to discover that stuff. And even then, quite often, you need to join the dots later on because they don't get talked about outside of closed rooms. And, And quite often these days, you know, they're all under... So, you know, uh, uh, non-disclosure agreements and they're wrapped up and all this kind of stuff. It's right. secret squirrel stuff. You, unless somebody <laughs> leaks it, you don't really uh, get to find out about it. You have to join the dots and read between the lines, yeah, which makes crazy. can make you yeah. sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist. And, uh, you know, we, uh, I'm not saying we, we don't have specifics for these things, but we know, again, from books like Confessions of a Economic Hitman, John Perkins' book, that this is kind of what happens, right? This is yeah. the... This Normal is the, procedure. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we know Price from the Marshall Plan, business. right? We had to we yes. had to figure it out in the Marshall Plan because I couldn't find a book that actually stated it as clearly as I stated it, but it's yeah. that was the Marshall Plan, right? Yes. Um <clears throat> so, gentleman's agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Bill fifty-four billion dollars going to mm-hmm. Ukraine. So it's and it's also obviously a payday for the industrial military complex here in the U.S. Yes, um, a lot of the early stuff that was shipped to Ukraine was American stockpiles. Even well, they had right. problems because the Ukrainians had Russian stuff and you had American stuff, and they didn't interoperate, and they had all these sorts of issues early on. Yeah. 
can't send yeah. them American bullets if they've got Russian guns and the bullets won't work in the guns or missiles and projectors or whatever. Yes. But, um, yeah. But sort of now they're into the, oh, well, now we're building new stuff to send to them and also replenishing the American stocks. Right. I think what happened early on is um, countries in Europe that had other Russian uh, stuff or stuff that was interoperable with Russian stuff would give the Ukrainians their stuff and the Americans would then give their new stuff to those countries. Oh. Um, so, you know, it, it, as long as the American industrial military complex is making bank, doesn't really They're matter all- where it's going. <laughs> It's all good. It's all but, good. But, um, yeah, that's the other thing that's driving this, of course, is uh, massive Christmas time. Christmas comes early to the industrial military complex. Now, yes. what I haven't been able to find out, and I've done a little bit of research on this during my vacation, but I haven't had the opportunity to sit down and go deep, is exactly how this aid is working. Like, right with the Marshall Plan... With enough digging, I, I worked out how it worked, which was a line of credit, as I call it, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't actually get much of the money, mm-hmm. and Stay a lot here. of the money that did go to Western Europe ended up yeah. in the CIA's coffers <laughs> right? Uh, for, for you know, financing uh, the, the Italian elections and, and things like mm-hmm. that. But yeah. uh, in this case, I haven't been able to figure out exactly how it works. Now, this to me is interesting in that, there's a lot of lot of media coverage about the aid to Ukraine, but if you try and find out, well, how does it actually work? Uh, it's involved. very very difficult yeah. to get that right. information. On no one's talking about that. Well, you would have to assume so. I can't be the only person right. going. Well, well, how does that work exactly? How, how you know where's the money coming from? Who's it going yeah. to? What's it? What's a buy? Like exactly what's a buying? What's the yeah. Yeah, where, what's the what's the transaction loop exactly? Like here? Is it UPS, FedEx, HDA? <laughs> what is it? You know what is it? Are you actually giving <laughs> them the cash, or are you giving That's them right. the weapons? And if so, who's being paid yeah. for those weapons? And where's the yeah. money coming from? How are you raising right. that money? <coughs> All do, this stuff is do, very hard to piece together. Exactly. Do you need another gun runner? Because I'm here, and I understand the job pays very well if I don't die. So consider me. And I already just play Eastbound and Down on my car stereo when I'm doing stuff anyway. So, so you're done. Eastbound and Down, loaded up and trucking. We're going to do, do the thing that can't be, be done. done. Long way to go sure and a short time to get there. there. Eastbound, come on, bandit, run. Oh, my entire childhood just flashed before my eyes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Sally Field. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. But that mustache. <laughs> I would do either one of them in the car is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. On, the, on the hood of the car. <gasps> Three in a Trans Am. That's, that's a foursome. That's actually technically a foursome. You got to include the car. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Ah, no. How long have we been talking now? Is that is, is that I enough? Over an hour. That'll what? do. Yeah. All right. Well, just one what? more. Everybody who's listening, go mm. out to your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, and go into their attics and their basements and look around. Because experts at the National Galleries of Scot- Scotland have just found a uh, Van Gogh painting. It had been buried with under layers of glue and cardboard, but they had to examine it. They did an x-ray, and it was um, on the back of head of a peasant woman, which I'm not going to touch that one. But the point is, between Leonardo's maybe being found and Van Gogh's, you might be sitting on a fortune. You couldn't end up living like a podcaster. So look around everywhere. <laughs> and, and I'm officially done. All right. We'll be back with a... Proper bullshit filter show at some point after I get back to Australia. 